Welcome to the Virgin Diabetic Podcast. My name is Denise Panzers, diabetes and holistic lifestyle coach. Type 2 diabetes is a disease that plagues over 115 million in the U.S. and hundreds of millions worldwide. I was one of those unlucky people to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and prescribed medication with four daily insulin shots. I was devastated. I realized, contrary to what everyone told me, I could reverse my diabetes, and my happy day was when I eliminated all medication and insulin and regained my health. Join me on this journey to learn and gain insight on reversing the effects of your diabetes. Well, thank you everyone for joining me on today's podcast. I'm really thinking this is kind of a journey of avoiding diabetes. And today I'm with Christine Gautreau. And Christine actually holds a bachelor's and master's degree in social work, and she's dedicated to the pursuit of play, joy, art, and social justice. So one of her superpowers, there's many, she's wonderful at connecting people and helping folks manifest their dreams, standing up against injustice, and using art to make a difference in the world every day. So she also believes in the power of body wisdom and somatic play to help heal trauma. And she's also a certified interplay leader. So Christine is a woman who was on a journey to make sure she was going to avoid diabetes. And I think our chat today is going to be so helpful to so many of you out there. So great opportunity to listen. So Christine, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, Denise. I am well. I was a little out of balance this weekend with the work and self-care, so I'm a little tired, but I am delighted to be here, and uh, I'm just so excited for us to have this tea and conversation today. Me too. I've been waiting a while for this, so I'm glad we finally got to make it happen. And I love the fact that, you know, everybody always says, hey, yeah, I'm great, even when we're not. And I love the fact that you just put it out there and say, you know what? I'm a little tired. And so many of us don't really ever want to admit that out to everyone because we have to put up a good front. I just love the fact that, hey, you put it out there. And to me, that's kind of the first thing in self-care, right, is managing some stress. Is that correct? Absolutely. Like um, one of the things that I always talk to folks about is one of the things is tuning into ourselves and our bodies. And we are so used to in our society saying, oh, things are fine. They're just fine, or I'm good, or I'm great, you know, and not really tuning in and checking out, are we really? Like when you stop and take a deep breath and check in with yourself and your body, not just from their neck up, you know, but the whole body, what's it really telling you today? And it may be telling you that you're great and it was fantastic, but sometimes it's not, you know, it's telling you things are a little out of whack. Yeah, it really does. And I love the fact, um, and I'm a huge believer in that, tune into your own health, listen to your body. We get these little red flags as I tend to call them. You learned something at a very young age. I believe you were 27 years old And you learned that you actually had gestational diabetes, correct? With both of your pregnancies. 
I did with my very first pregnancy. I was a baby back then. I was 27. (laughs) I was in college. I was in one of my final semesters of college. And so I was working full time. I was going to school full time. I had, you know, still pretty much a newlywed. We had been married four years, but just doing the whole thing. And I was doing a full time internship. So I was overstressed, overworked, and I was pregnant. And during that pregnancy, I had two really big things happen. I had an autoimmune response where I had Bell's palsy. That's actually how I found out I was pregnant is um, we had been camping and mountain biking. We were in Texas at the time and it was a cold April snap and we came home and, you know, we had been without mirrors all weekend. And my husband actually, he hates this part of the story, but he had actually been making fun of me for kind of talking funny. And I thought it was because I just slept on the ground, right? We were camping. And when I got home and I went to put the moisturizer on my face, half my face didn't work. And I was like, what's happening? And at the time, I was working at a psych hospital. And so I called my nurses at the psych hospital because I hate to admit this, but I didn't have a regular doctor. I was young and healthy, right? I didn't. (laughs) And so I called my nurses at the psych hospital and they said, all right, we don't want you to panic, but we think you have Bell's palsy, but you could be having a stroke. So we need you to go to the emergency room. Oh my. So... I went to the emergency room and right when I got there and the doctor looked at me and said, you have Bell's palsy. We want to put you on steroids. I had this knowing rise up inside of me and I said, nope, I think I'm pregnant. And I had already done a pregnancy test that said I was negative, but I just had this knowing like my body responded with, nope, you're not giving me steroids. And so world's most expensive pregnancy test in the emergency room. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) And then it was probably, you know, a couple months later that I got diagnosed with the gestational diabetes. So two really big health wake-ups around what I was putting in my body and that I needed to manage my stress. Good for you. I think that's huge. And most of us kind of let it go because we don't think we have time to manage our stress. So when you got diagnosed with the gestational diabetes, did they have you test back then, you know, like what your glucose levels were regularly? Did you have to do any of that? Yeah, I was doing all the finger pokes. So my dad had been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes about five years earlier in the spring of 92. I'll date myself at this point, but um, (laughs) he had been diagnosed and had been, you know, living with type two diabetes. And at that time, you know, they were really worried about it being genetic. And later they did some tests and figured out that his probably came from chemicals and agent orange from when he was in Vietnam, but you know, we didn't know. So I was doing finger pricks every day. And I managed it through diet and exercise. I did not have to take anything else. I was really clean eating, really paying attention to getting out and moving my body and walking and just tuning in to take really good care. See, that's awesome. Do you happen to remember that far back where, oh, I'm trying to help you date yourself now, Um, (laughs) but um, how high you saw some of those glucose levels by chance? Oh, wow. Probably at least over 200 at the time, but not, I mean, that was at the very beginning. Not through the whole pregnancy. No, no. Cause I really did manage it. Like I was within that window that you're supposed to be in. 
Okay. <laughs> I was serious about it. I got really serious really quick because, you know, it wasn't just me. It was my baby. And so I really kind of am grateful, Denise, that that was the first time I had experience with it personally because there was no messing around for me. Good for you. Yeah. Good. No, and I'm glad. And I think, and that's one of the points, and I'm glad you've said this a few times. That's one of the points that I think our listeners need to hear is that you took control and you just didn't give into it. And you were able to get yourself down from those over 200 glucose levels. And you went through that same experience or similar experience with your second child as well. Right. So same thing. I was fine. I was having my glucose checked in between because there was four years in between those pregnancies. And I was, you know, making sure that my sugars were okay. I really did notice through the process that I am a little sugar sensitive. So like my body does not like sugar early in the morning, even some fruit sugars. It's just not a big fan of it. And so I was paying attention to all that. And I did have gestational diabetes with um, my second child. And, um, Now, I think I wasn't as managed with everything because I had a four-year-old at that time and was working and... Life. And so I don't think I was quite as controlled with the second one as I was with the first one. And my first child was like seven pounds, 14 ounces. My second one is the one I called my Buddha baby because she was nine pounds, 10 ounces. Oh, okay. A little bit more, a little bit more. Right. And I was still checking my sugars, but I think I probably wasn't checking them. I wasn't as paying as much attention because I had a, you know, I had a four-year-old around. And so I think I mean, there even in that example shows like the difference in the attention. Right. Yeah, because life kind of takes over sometimes. And I think this is where people tend to get caught up. But I do understand that you had done it still an overall good job. I'm guessing running after a four-year-old was probably good exercise for the glucose. So <laughs> I'm going to give you credit for that one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I've always been active. I've always been an athlete and I continue that. You know, for my 40th birthday, I ran my first triathlon. And nowadays I'm not doing so much of that, but part of my wellness routine and self-care is I'm outside walking a minimum of two miles a day. So it is part of my wellness routine. That's awesome. And though that is what I'm hoping folks are going to hear, that you took control of it, you wanted to avoid it. No matter what happens to us and what we're diagnosed with, um, we probably can deal with more than we really realize. Now, stress, we know, plays a huge role for folks with diabetes. You know, we, we don't handle our glucose levels necessarily as well. And tell us about the book that you are a co-author of. And then when you do that, I want you to also make sure you tell us where folks can find your book because we need to understand stress better. Ah, thanks so much, Denise. So yes, I am the co-author of a book called Still Point. It's a self-care playbook for caregivers to find ease and time to breathe and reclaim joy. And I co-wrote this book with my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Sheila K. Collins. And both of us are dancing social workers. And um, what we mean by that is we're both interplay leaders and we both have backgrounds in social work. So we understand systems and we understand the importance of our whole bodies being involved in self-care. So the book can be found on Amazon. It can be found on Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere you order books online. And your local bookstores can also order it. It's available if you ask them to. 
and it's available in paperback and electronic version. So, so yeah, this journey, what I learned pretty early on with gestational diabetes, with my dad, and with my autoimmune stuff is that the intersection of stress and our health is huge. And what we have to do is really put in some self-care practices. And, you know, so many times, especially in America, people think self-care is like getting a massage or, you know, and that's wonderful. I don't want to discount that. But self-care is so much more. We talk about in the book what self-care is not. Okay. (laughs) And self-care is not continuing to educate and train ourselves to withstand more stress in order to take on more stress. And I think that's it really important for your listeners. I've been following you for a while now. And when you sent out recently that article about glucose is impacted by our stress hormones. Yes, it is. Like, I know this to be true. And so in our culture, a lot of times we're taught, oh, you can do more or you can do... And we're not looking at the whole impact of what being stressed out and doing more does to our whole health system and our whole bodies. So what we say that, and we talk about more in the book about what it's not, but what we say that it is, and I think is huge in this discussion especially, is self-care is tuning in and recognizing earlier and earlier the subtle physical signs of potential difficulties. That's awesome. Did you ever take my um <laughs> my online coaching class? Because that's exactly what we talk about. Really? No, I haven't. You stated it perfectly. And I am in huge agreement with you that you have to absolutely tune into your body and start paying attention to those little nuances. And I think as we get older too, we do kind of confuse those with the signs of aging versus signs of diabetes or any other health issues that come up. So no, I'm glad you're talking about tuning into your body. I don't care what age you are. I think it's important that everyone learns to do that. Right. And it is a skill. It's not something that if we have if we haven't been taught to tune into our body, and a lot of times we're taught to ignore it. Exactly. You know, like the no pain, no gain, and the you know. And I was raised by a football coach in Texas, so um, (laughs) you know. So you know, you know. Sometimes we're taught to very definitely not listen to the signals of our body, right? So the second thing we talk about is self care is tending. So once you tune in, you got to tend to it. Being actively involved in any caring role creates the potential for taking on other people's tension and stress. Exactly. So it's important for ourselves that we tend to ourselves and not take on other people's tension. And even the world sometimes, you yes. know, the times we live in, really tending to ourselves and our health. Because if our health goes down, we can't take care of anybody else. No, exactly. And even if we try to, we don't do it very well. It's not really serving others well either. So no, I'm so glad you and Dr. Collins wrote the book Still Point. I think it's definitely worthwhile for people to understand. And even if you're not taking care of someone else right now, um, self-care is important throughout all aspects of our life for, if not today, even for our future. So I think that's a good lesson for everyone in general. 
Well, and in our books, we talk about a lot of different modalities. And it's not a traditional book. Like, it's got a lot of really good stories in it. It's got some poems. It's got some art practices. It's got some exercise and modality. It it really is kind of like a playbook. You can pick it up and kind of thumb through it. And even if you're not a professional private caregiver, it really is for everybody because there are skills to to taking care of yourself. Yes. There are skills of boundary setting. There are skills of figuring out what's mine and what's yours and sorting and separating that stuff out. So I am so grateful that it is my work in the world. And I also laugh because I also say, oftentimes we teach what we need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can attest to that one too. So yes, I'm in full, 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 full agreement on that. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I do have one question that's kind of lingering in my brain. So you have done a wonderful job of avoiding, you know, diabetes. It was basically just in the gestational stages. But do you ever think or worry about as you continue to age that you still might get type 2 diabetes? And do you test for that? Oh, sure. I do it every year. I get my numbers checked. And since that happened, I've been really paying attention to my body. I eat very cleanly. My body's uh, gluten sensitive. So I really eat a lot of fresh vegetables and I do lean proteins and really pay attention to what's going in my body. And I know what it likes and what it doesn't like. So I pay attention in that realm. And then on my yearly checkups, I'm tested to make sure my numbers are good. That is one thing you've taught me is (laughs) pay attention to your numbers, you know, pay attention. Yeah, it is so important. Now, you did mention earlier that one thing you did learn about yourself is that your body does not like to have sugar, whether it's bakery good sugar or fruit sugar, it does not like that in the morning. Well, and I no longer do processed sugar. I probably have not done processed sugar for the last six years. Right. So if I have sugar, it's going to be fruit or it's going to be raw honey or it's going to be maple syrup. It's very rare that uh, I get a hold of anything else because my body doesn't like it. And so all my numbers are good. But I also can tell you, like, if I accidentally get a hold of something like that, I just don't feel good. You're paying attention. I pay attention to what my body likes. And so, yeah, the morning thing is very clear. And that did come up through testing. And that came up when I had gestational diabetes. I watched how different foods um, my body reacted to it. Uh, with the numbers and also with just how I felt. And I like fruit. I'm not a huge fruit fan, but I don't like it first thing in the morning. And, you know, there's some diets out there that that's what they, they only want you to eat fruit until noon or something like that. And I'm like, nope, not for me. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you said the word diet. And that is one thing I think where a lot of folks have trouble is that they're following all of these different diets out there and you bounce from one diet to the next one to the next. And who knows what the next one will be in a year or two. Right. Um, and so what you said about, you know, listening to yourself, paying attention to what your glucose levels were, how you responded to that. You know, those are all the things that once you have that diagnosis of diabetes, or even if you don't, you should pay attention to how you feel when you eat because it will help you avoid things as well. And it wasn't about a diet, but it was about what worked for you. That's what I pulled out of what you shared. And what makes you feel good? Like part of my work in the world is what brings you joy? And we all know that feeling. Like we have a really great meal and then we feel like crud afterwards. Yes. Like it didn't bring us joy. Exactly. 
But then we've also, I know I've had the feeling of having a really great meal and I felt fantastic after it. Like those get double stars in my books, you know, <laughs> let's do that again, right? Yeah. And <laughs> it tasted great and it made me feel terrific and there were no lingering effects. And I think that's so important in today with such high chronic disease in general is that when we're stressed out, many of us tend to want to go to those comfort foods. And if we do really step away from it and pick the things that are healthy and fresh, and I personally also prefer organic, we find that we can help those stress levels along with the other things that we're doing in our self-care. Right? So, you know, I know recently you had a guest that taught yoga and the breathing, Nancy. Yes. And, you know, with my interplay work, so with interplay, we use storytelling and movement and voice. And we're always telling folks to take a deep breath and shake it out and really let go of your stress, right? And I think learning some practices, whatever they are, whether it's walking or yoga or meditation or interplay or all of them, right? I have all of them in my toolkit, is what works for you to transform your stress and really get that feeling of ease and peace and joy in your body. Like what does the opposite of stress feel like in your body? Because if we can identify that and figure out what are we doing? Who are we with? And where are we at? So like for me, being outside, if I'm really stressed out, I make a point to go outside. And I go outside and it could just be literally sitting and listening to the birds for a few minutes. And that helps me to reduce that stress level. Right? Like what works for you to get de-stressed? I know you live in a very beautiful place, so. <laughs> yeah, lots of palm trees. Yes, I love it. I love it. I'm a little further south than you. Yes, I know. And, I, and you know, I do the same thing. And I and again, you know, you've brought up so many wonderful points. And I may have to have you come back on again so we can continue this discussion. Oh, we'd love to. That would be fun. Um, one of the things that I think, folks, if you're not sure, if you've had issues with diabetes before, and I would mention, Christine, for you, and even as your kids, you know, continue to get older and age, checking your fasting insulin levels, I think is a very helpful blood test in addition to that traditional A1C and fasting glucose, because it can tell us a little bit earlier if something else is going on with insulin resistance. We can get that information a little bit sooner. And then that helps folks continue to avoid getting full onset diabetes. One of my clients said he was giving the gift of um, an insulin blood test to all of his children, his adult children. And so it's a wonderful gift when we try to share um, health improvements with our loved ones. So I'm sharing that one with you and your family today. Thank you. I think that is really helpful. Now say the name of it one more time. It's the fasting insulin levels? Yes, fasting insulin. And if you look at a lab test, the range may be higher. Usually you want to see for a fasting result at 10 or below, 10 to 4, something like that would be preferable. Um, but it's a great indicator. And they can do that just when they draw your blood for your fasting glucose and your A1C. They can also do that insulin test at the same time and draw for that. I always so appreciate your wisdom around this, Denise, and I'm making a little star on it for the next time I'm going in. 
because you really have taught me about paying attention to our numbers and that they matter. Yes. And you you are a wonderful student, let me tell you. <laughs> it makes it so much easier, right? But no, and these are things that every obviously everybody can learn. You had to put yourself in the educational mode and start learning. Every one of us have the you know ability to do that. Um, before we have to go, I would love for you to do two things for us today. Again, give us the name of your book and your website. So for folks that are looking for more information on self-care, I think this is a wonderful place to do is to connect with you. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So the book's name is Still Point. A self-care playbook for caregivers to find ease and time to breathe and reclaim joy. And it can be found, you know, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, anywhere you buy books. And my website is my name. So it is uh, christinegotro.com. And I'm hoping you'll put that in the show notes because it's a little bit tricky because it's, you know, I'm married to a Cajun. So that last <laughs> name is a little bit tricky, but you bet. I would love for folks to reach out. I do private coaching about self-care and community care. And, you know, one of my things is I help the helpers. So if you are a caregiver or are taking care of somebody or many people, you know, whether professionally or private, and you need to set up a self-care plan, I am happy to help with that. Awesome. Wonderful, wonderful information um, on what you do, but how you applied all of that to your personal life. And I think that's so important. So as we teach others, we have to be mindful that are we following our own advice? And you clearly, Christine, are doing that. So kudos, right? kudos to well, you for that. Thank goodness, because <laughs> it keeps it in the forefront of my brain, right? Because sometimes it gets lost and it doesn't need to get lost. So I think our prioritizing our self-care is not selfish in any way. It is important. No, it absolutely is. It is. So Christine Gotro, thank you so much for joining me today, sharing your story, sharing what you do, and letting others know that there is a way to get some extra help out there. So um, I'm hoping you and I, we can chat again on our podcast. There's so much more that I know we can dive into and give some help to folks out there that need it. And Denise, I need to invite you to come be on my podcast because I have a new one that's launching called Women Connected in Wisdom. And you are definitely a wise woman. So we'll set that up too. <laughs> some days, some days. Yes, <laughs> I would love to. I would love to. So today, again, Christine, thank you for joining us. And um, we will look forward to having you back on again. So thanks again for all of your wisdom and your information. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. New episodes are released on the first and third Wednesday each month. For more information or a free consultation, visit reversemydiabetes.net. Follow me on Instagram, The Virgin Diabetic, and on Facebook, Reverse My Diabetes. I wish you the best of health.